Welcome to the Florence Crossroad Podcast. We're thrilled to share with you an exciting message from our weekend service. If you would like more information about who we are as a church and how to get involved, feel free to visit florencecrossroadag.org. We hope you have an amazing experience and a great week. I love that song. Um, so my husband asked me if I would pray this morning, and I um, told him no multiple times. <laughs> He's like, come on. And I was like, no, no, no. And now I'm here. So um, how many of you guys know that we go through different seasons, and God speaks differently to you in those seasons, right? So I'm a new mom. She's a year and a half old. And God, you guys can have a seat, or you can stand <laughs> whatever you want to do. Sorry, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, um, so I'm a new mom, and God has spoken so much to me through little things that Lainey does, right? Mostly tantrums, <laughs> and he's revealing in me that that's how I look most of the time. Um, so yesterday I'm cooking, and I have this, like, skillet out, and I hadn't done the dishes for a couple of days, so my, my counters were full of stuff. And um, so I couldn't, like, scoot it back very far, and everywhere I am, Lainey wants to be, especially in the kitchen. She loves rearranging all of my drawers and where everything is. Um, And she's really good at boxing out, which I know Jeff must be teaching her something because if I'm where she wants to be, she will get in front of me and she will like box me out and then like scooch me and scream until I move. So so she was doing that yesterday, but she's getting just tall enough. Yeah, (laughs) he's like, yeah, that's my girl. Um, She's getting just tall enough that her little fingers can like reach above the counter and that's where my hot skillet was. And you guys know that... um, that those get hot, right? So before you get sad, she didn't burn herself because I, being the very attentive mom that I am, um, like scooched her away and it made her so mad because she didn't understand why she couldn't be right there with me, right? Which then I was thinking and I was like, wow, God, I do that too. Like you move me different places for my own protection and yet when I don't like it, I, I get upset and I cry because I don't understand. And then something a really wise pastor said to me one time was, with God, like, we have to have an open palm, because the minute we close it and start clinching onto things, he can't take things away from us, but he also can't give us new things, so when we close our palm, when he's trying to put new things and new people in our life, we're not accepting of that, and when we try and hold on to something so hard that we're, like, white-knuckling it, that he can't take it away, that's not always necessarily the best thing. He knows what's good for us, and he knows what we need when we need it, who we need when we need them, and, um, and so it was just such a good reminder to me to, in this new year, to know that above all else, like, I can trust God, like, more than I can trust Jeff, more than I can trust myself, more than I can trust any of my best friends, like, God will never fail me, and, um, we may not understand why certain things happen, um, why this person just seems to be getting, like, all the good sunshine, and I'm just over here, like, under my own thundercloud, right? Um, but in Deuteronomy 31.8, God tells us this promise, and I love this verse. I've gone back to it so, so, so many times, and it says, it is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed, because you guys, he's all around us. He goes before us. He knows what he has for us. He knows when he needs to take something out of our palm and when he needs to put something in, and I just want to start this new year off encouraging you guys to have an open palm this year. Allow God to put something in that may be a little bit uncomfortable, and let him take something out that we don't necessarily understand, and let him move us somewhere that we don't 
know we should be, but that he's protecting us from something else, right? Okay, so we're going to pray this morning. That wasn't the prayer. That was just me preaching to you. Um, (laughs) So, Lord, thank you so much for just the opportunity to be here with one another today, to be in your presence. God, we know that you are omnipresent, which means you're present everywhere we go, Lord, but there's something special about the house of God. And so we just thank you for the opportunity to be here today, Lord. We thank you that you go before us, that you lead us into things that are uncomfortable sometimes, God, but that you are right there with us. You never leave us. No matter what our emotions say, God, your word promises that you never leave us, God. So I pray that we would just just be so joyful in that fact that we're never alone that we are always with you, that you want good things for us, that when you put something new on our life, God, that we're, we should be excited about that. When you take something away, God, we should be excited about that because that's making room for something new. So, Lord, I just thank you so much for this new year, for growth that's going to happen, God, for your vision that's just going to be cast over this whole group of people that you love and care about so much. Lord, I pray that it wouldn't stay here within these four walls, Lord, but that we would be brave, that we would take it out, that we would take it to people who need you, God, that we would we would go to the person that's messy, Lord, and not try and clean them up, God, but love them. Because you ask us to love you and love people, and I pray that this year that's what we do the best, God. I pray that we're good at the small things, that we love you, that we love people, and that we trust you, God, because you will never forsake us. You will never leave us. You deserve all of our trust. When everything else fails, you do not, God. And I thank you so much for that hope that we have in you, for that promise that we have in you, and for what you're going to do through your people this year, God. I pray that you wouldn't let us stand idle, but that you would put a fire under us, that we would go be brave. God, that we would listen to your voice and trust it. God, that we would take small steps of faith because even small steps get us somewhere where we're going, God. So I just ask this in Jesus' name. What a powerful name it is. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome, everyone. My name is Jeff, and I get to serve here as one of the pastors here at Crossroad, and um, we're just thankful that you're here, that you chose to be in this place with this group of people, of all people, with this group of people, but it's awesome to see you, and I'm excited for 2018, amen? How many are excited? Yeah. Yeah. I know that sometimes it's like nothing, literally nothing changed from December to January. Why are we so excited? What's the big deal about a new year? But I just... I think that every day is a new opportunity, and I just think I want to live with that, that sense of anticipation about what God can do, about how he can lead us and, and continue um, by his Spirit's help to make us look more like Jesus, amen? Um, so we're, we, we launched a new series last week called Wild Blue Yonder, and uh, this series is about what is stopping us from stepping out into the amazing wild plan that God has for us in our lives and the wild plan that he has for this church and this group of people for this time right now, and so we're really excited about, about that, but if you have a Bible, you can turn to 1 John chapter 4. Um, if you don't have a Bible, we've got your back. But um, I know we've been sitting and standing and sitting and standing a little bit. It's kind of like musical chairs in here this morning. But if you would just help me out, if you're able, can you stand for the reading of God's word as we read this? 1 John chapter 4, verse 12, I'm going to start there. Um, no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. 
So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in his love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected in us, so that we may have the confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in his world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. You may be seated this morning. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for just the promise of that. God, that you have initiated with us, God. And I pray that this morning you would lead us and that you would help us by the power of your spirit to hear your truth. I pray that you would change our lives, change um, our trajectory, God, and that you would help us in all that we do. In your name, amen. What's stopping you? What's stopping you? I want to talk um, a little bit. I want to preach a message called The Antidote to Fear, if you're taking notes. And I believe we just spoil everyone at Crossroad because we include a lot of the notes already there for you, which I think is cheating, you know, but it's okay. Jane and I have had that conversation, but um, The Antidote to Fear. And I love John. Um, John wrote, uh, is the writer of this book, First John. Pretty creative name for a book, right? Um, and he wrote uh, three epistles, so first, second, and third John, and he wrote the, the Gospel of John, and he wrote Revelation. And the thing I love about John in, in his writing style is that he, like, lays out the nuts and bolts. He tells you why he's doing it, you know? Like, sometimes I read something, I'm like, why? You know? John is very good in every single one of his writings at telling us why he wrote what he wrote. It's pretty good. I mean, like, those that have ever put together, you know, Jenny and I, we're talking about Ikea furniture, you know? It's very good to know <laughs> how to put something together and why it works. And so he writes in First John that these things I've written to you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know. Everyone say know. That you have eternal life and that you may believe. Everyone say believe. believe. On the name of the Son of God. So he's writing to us that, that believe in Jesus that we would know that we would walk in confidence in the eternal life that we have in Jesus and that we would trust and believe in Jesus. That's good. But something that's unique about this epistle in particular is it's called the family epistle often because John uses a lot of family language. He uses a lot of like heavenly father and, and children in, in the, uh, the literary style. And John's goal is to take us as children of God over the threshold into fellowship with the Father. And that's amazing. His goal is to invite sinners that are all over the place to come to repentance and to come to adoption as sons and daughters of God. And I think that that message is still so relevant today, that we need to walk into fellowship in the love of God. We need to allow God to love us. And we need to, again, invite others to be loved by God. And so it's amazing. You know, Paul wrote to the church, but John had a little bit more of an intimate voice. He wrote to the family of God. And uh, it's with that heart that we just say, welcome to the family. Welcome. Welcome to, to this place. And, and uh, we're excited you're here. So fear is a weird thing, right? Anyone just think fear is weird? I think that love is a weird thing. Love is a weird word. It's very vast and, and very, like, centralized. It's very like powerful, but also vague. You know, in the same sentence, I can be like, I love 
my wife. I love that she prays to Jesus and that she loves Jesus. And in the same sentence, I can be like, I love cheeseburgers. <laughs> it's weird, right? It's the same like word. And the, and the heart of it is drastically different. So it can kind of get confusing and a little bit, that word can be cheapened, right? And, but fear, on the other hand, fear when we see it, when we encounter it, it's crystal clear. We know that we face fear, right? I can remember a time when I faced fear. I mean, real fear. 22 years had led up to this moment. And there she was standing across a room. And I knew that if I didn't make my move, this moment would be lost forever. I, I kept running through all the scenarios in my mind about how would this transpire? How would this conversation go? What would happen? What, what, what if what is clouded my memory? I could feel the inside of my chest shaking. I was like so nervous. My outside was shaking. I was like, uh, you know, like trying to figure out a way to get these words to work and to take a step forward. It was 11 o'clock at night and she was going to bed. We walked over and I hugged her for what could have been probably the longest hug known to man. It seemed like hours had gone by, I'm sure. And I was sweaty probably, so not good. When finally I was just like, this is the moment I'm gonna take a leap and I just kissed her. No words came out, but an action just came out, and it was there, and I kissed her. And that was the moment that I just let my, my intentions come to light. I couldn't let that moment pass. We had been friends for years, really good friends, but something had happened in my heart. Something had happened with my mind where I was blind to it, but then I saw that, hey, I don't just like this girl. I love this girl. And there, with my baby face, weird, shaved clown face, I am. And that was the very night. And, and about a year and some change later, we got married. And there's Jenny. And she looks gorgeous, let me tell you. She still looks gorgeous. But fear is a funny thing. We're right there. Like, I was paralyzed. I didn't know what to do. I could have been like, ah, oh, just... Don't risk it. Don't, like, just be friends. Like, if this goes wry, like, this is a friendship we're talking about. This can't happen. And me being like, Terry, like, Sullivan pointed this out. He went like this in the background. I was, like, thinking that. I'm like, if she slaps me for kissing her, then this will be a good sermon illustration. That's how preachers think. We're just weird. <laughs> but we all experience fear. And, and unfortunately, many times, fear keeps us. From, from stepping out into the wild, amazing expression that our creator has designed for us. We let it stop us so many times. And um, the word love may be vast and vague and powerful, but it's sometimes kind of confusing. But the action of love is unmistakable. The action of love is unmistakable. And so I want to talk about like this message through the lens of this thought. That we can either walk um, or we can either be paralyzed by fear or we can paralyze fear with love. We can either be paralyzed by fear or we can paralyze fear with love. I've always thought that the opposite of fear is courage, but I'm here to tell you this morning that the opposite of fear is not courage, but it is love. And so what does this love look like? I, I don't know about you, but this year, 2018, I want to look more like Jesus than I did in 2017. 
I, I want more of God in my life. I want to depend on him more than I did in 2017. And, and I, I believe that we're stand, we stand right now on the, on the precipice of, of something wild and amazing and uncharted that we haven't done before. And if we're going to step into that, we desperately need the love of God. We desperately need a, a new revelation of what his love is for our lives and, and what does this look like for us. And so I just want to champion us on that. We won't let fear intimidate us this year. We won't let, I won't let fear keep me from doing what God has called me to do. I want love to motivate me and to champion me on. Amen? So what does it look like? Let's look at 1 John 4 and, and look at verse 7. John, again, is writing to those that believe, but also those that are kind of on the fringes. So if you're in that place this morning where you've been following Jesus, um, awesome, welcome. If you're in this place and you haven't been following Jesus or you don't have a relationship with him, you're in good company because this is what he, how he wrote it. So um, I'm glad you're here. Um, but this is what it says. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God. Because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as to be the propitiation of our sin. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to. I faced a different type of fear. Jenny had been laboring for over 24 hours. And Lainey would not come. Like, it was a painful process. Lainey was stuck in the birth canal. Bill Day laughed at me about this medical term. So if you're in the medical field, this isn't a correct term. But Lainey was sunny side up. I'm mixing breakfast with birth, okay? <laughs> Just understanding. Yeah, <laughs> She was sunny side up and stuck, and so they made the call to have an emergency C-section. And in that moment, like, fear gripped our family. Like, Jenny was crying as she's being prepped and wheeled off to the OR, and we're praying in the hallway, and, and they wheel her into the OR, and I'm just alone in this hallway at Riverbend. And I'm sitting there, and I just, in the quiet, my fears are being, like, realized, and everything, everything that I wished that I could do was coming out. Like I, how I just felt so helpless. And I just sat there with my hands in my lap and just was like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how do I, I, I was worried about my wife. I was worried about our unborn daughter. I had no idea. And in that moment, like a still small voice whispered to me, like my hands are big enough. There's nothing you can do. You are helpless in this situation, Jeff, but my hands are big enough. And in that moment, I, I had to take the action step and the application of not just feeling God's love, but trusting his love and saying, I'm going to abide in this, God. I'm going to abide that your hands are big enough for this, that you have the situation. I surrender all control of it because I don't have any to begin with, that if you want to take my wife and my daughter then it's for your glory and for my good. And you have to take that. There's situations where abiding in God's love doesn't mean everything's okay. We have to surrender and say, God, like, I'm surrendering this to you and saying, God, I don't have the outcome 
Do I want this? Yes. God, do I want my daughter? Yes, to survive. Do I want this to go well? Yes, I'm trusting you for that. But even if that doesn't happen, God, I'm trusting that this is for my good and for your glory. We have to abide and not strive. There was nothing I could do in that moment to strive to earn God's love or to earn his, his favor. And there's nothing that we can do in our life. No, this is a rest in it. God has always been the initiator. Always. We have always just been responders to that love. Always throughout creation. We love him because he first loved us. David wrote in the Psalms that I love the Lord because he's heard my prayer. There's something amazing that the God of the universe hears your voice. In Revelation, um, the first four verses are described, or the first four chapters of that are describing this amazing worship scene that's going on in heaven right now. And the first time that we are mentioned is that the prayers of the saints, that saints not being like Mother Teresa and all that stuff, we believe that saint is a collective term for anyone that loves and follows Jesus. I, don't call me Saint Jeff, okay? We're not that, but we are the saints, okay? The prayers of the saints. That means that the, what our contribution to heaven right now is not anything but our prayers. That they are the fragrance that is, that is right now filling the throne room where worship is happening of God. And that's a sweet smell. So there's something powerful that we know that God hears our voice and we, hears our prayers. That's why David was so stoked and excited. He's like, I love God because he hears me. He hears me. John declares that we love the Lord because he first loved us. Our love to him is this response to his great love for us. That's why that in the New Testament, all these writers, they're seeking to draw our attention to God's love. They're seeking to draw our attention off of our circumstances and onto the love of God. John said, behold the, the manner or the way that God lavishes his love to us, that we should be called sons and daughters of God. Paul said that God has manifested his love for us, that while we were still sinners, God died for us to make us righteous, to make us holy, to make us accepted and loved. They all point to the cross and our need for that. They all point to the cross as this supreme manifestation of the love of God. And, and, and they hope, just as we hope today, that's why we still preach this word, that it would strike a chord in our heart and that we would respond. That we would say, God, thank you for initiating with me. Thank you for loving me. But here's the thing. People respond to love differently. Some of you aren't huggers. Can you raise your hand? No, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm, no, I won't. Don't do that because then I'll be tempted to go give you a hug. Um, <laughs> I'm ornery like that, but we respond to love differently. Alan, don't you dare. We respond to love differently. Some of us, we respond with this entitlement or, or this um, pride, if you will, that I'm so great that even God loves me. And so we, we try to perform in our, our Christian walk. It's about this like spiritual competition that how can I be more holy than John, brother Alsop? How can I do that? And so we respond in this heart, really not maybe out loud, but with the way that we act, with the way that we look down on people, with the way that we choose to conduct ourselves, we walk in, in, in pride to God's love. 
Some of us, we, we respond to God's love with fear and doubt, saying, how could God love me? You don't know what I've done, God. We don't let people love us any, even. We're like, you don't, we don't let people know us. We don't let people have community with us. And then some of us, myself included, have responded to God's love with rebellion and saying, God, like, your love is great, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my own thing, and I'm just going to expect that you're going to forgive me. But God wants us to respond by, again, we know and we believe. We know by experience. That's why it's really important to think, how has God loved you? How has God, what has God done in your life? David, it was, God, you hear me. I love you for that. Paul wrote to the church that we love God because he's given Jesus to be that perfect sacrifice. And John writes in that family language that, oh, the love of the Father that he has bestowed on us, that we should be called sons and daughters of God, the spirit of adoption. So again, knowing and believing. Romans 8 says this, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or the sword? As as it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Those are rough words and rough circumstances that they're going through. They're facing a lot more trouble and trial than than I'm facing right now. But however, fear is just the same. And doubt is just the same. But Paul responds in this, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors, not because of ourselves, but through him who has loved us. For I'm sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, to feel God's love is very precious. To believe it when you do not feel it is the noblest. We've confused oftentimes love with feeling. Again, I love that hug. And I'm like, oh, it's just amazing. But in the midst of hard times, in the midst of when I don't feel that love, do I know it? Do I believe it? Because that is the true test. And that's the, the, the reason why we draw near to God, to have it be perfected. So what does this look like more? Verse 17, how is this perfected more? By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because he is so also are we in this world. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this command we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. So the truth is that loved people, we walk in confidence, not in consequence. We walk in the confidence that his love is greater than my past. I walk in the confidence that his, his love will sustain me here in the present. 
I walk in the confidence that his love will sustain my future. I walk in the confidence that my eternal destiny is secure in who Jesus is. The one who loves me perfectly has taken away my sins. He's paid the price for my redemption. So I'm not going to have fear over my past because God has erased it from his mind. Maybe the consequences of the day are still here and we're walking through that. But as far as God is concerned, I am righteous and I am forgiven and I am redeemed. I don't have fear for my present because God loves me and he's with me and he's watching out for me. And again, he won't allow anything to come into my life unless it will be for, again, my good or his glory. So I don't know what you're facing right now, but trust God. Trust the Heavenly Father. I know that some of us are turned off by that, that parental language because we have a lousy excuse for an earthly example of that. And we struggle with that. I wrestle with that. But can I just say I'm sorry that, that you've had that example, but that you can trust your Heavenly Father to redeem that and to show you? Would you allow him to do that? I just want to encourage you to do that this morning. I don't have fear for my immediate future because, again, God has given me his spirit as a counselor, as a guide, as a helper to where I can fulfill what Jesus asked me to do. And again, I have no no fear for my eternal future because Jesus right now is preparing a place for me. He's getting the guest room ready. Little does he know, and he does know that we're going to stay there, okay? I'm like the cousin that comes to your house and never leaves, okay? (laughs) But I know that, again, in his presence, when I'm in the presence of his love, not only is there love, but there's fullness of joy. There's fullness of joy. And joy is not based on my circumstance. Joy is not happiness. Happiness is fleeting. Joy will last, Joy isn't based on my circumstances or what's happening to me. It's, it's based on the depth of the Father's love. That I can have joy in the, in the tri, tri, trying times. I can have joy in the midst of cancer. I can have joy in the midst of, of hardship. I can have joy in the midst of relational dynamics where I, I just don't know what to do and I just need to surrender that to God. I can have joy in the midst of kids that, are, that have walked away from Jesus. I can have joy in the midst of uh, trials at school that I'm walking through in my life or trying to, trying to live this faith life out, but it's so hard because the culture around me screams that this is, this is wrong and is pulling. I can have joy and I can rest in the assurance that God's love is enough because it wasn't courage that caused Jesus to step out into the wild blue yonder and come to earth in the most weak and feeble form. It was love. In the fact, in the midst of the garden, he was asking, Father, is there any way that you could take this cup from me? He was being tempted as we are daily to to abandon this cause. But it wasn't courage that said, I'm going to keep doing this. It was the love that he had for creation. It was the love that the Father had for you and I. That he said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. So where does that leave us, you and I? How, how, do, we, how do we respond to this love? How do we paralyze fear and walk in love? 
Maybe you're afraid to, to love others. And how do I do that? Maybe you're an introvert. You're like, how does an introvert love people? God, can I just say, like, God created you uniquely. And if he just meant for extroverts to love people, then he would have just said, hey, just extroverts or outgoing people love people. My wife is an introverted person. She will come home from work, and I'll be like, how was your day? Because I want to talk about everything. <laughs> and she'd be like, I just need a moment. <laughs> Not in a rude way. It used to bug me because we had communication issues, but I've realized sometimes she just needs a break, but she loves people so well. She loves people with the way that she smiles, with the way that she serves them at the bank. Maybe you run into her at, the, at a public event, as she says, because I don't know who banks with Banner Bank, but um, she loves people well as an introvert. The way that she loves her friends and her coworkers and has just conversations, and I'm like, whoa, I wish I had that. And I'm the extrovert in our relationship. But the way that she can engage with people, the way that God has designed her and her personality to, to be warm and inviting and kind, so unique. So just because you might be afraid of using this gift, can I just encourage you that God has designed you perfectly. I don't need to be insecure with who I am. Doing nothing, now that, that's the greatest tragedy of all because then the world loses out on that expression that God intended. So maybe you're afraid to love. Every relationship is a triangle. You have the people on the bottom. So no matter how hard I try, I cannot get closer to people and love people more effectively. Now, in, in our relationship, I would encourage you that God is at the top of the triangle. So the closer that I will draw near to God, the more effectively I can love people the more effectively. Maybe you're in a marriage right now and you are struggling. I've been there. Like, we were, that first year we were like, uh, did, were we supposed to do this? Like, maybe that kiss was a little bit premature, you know? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, but. <laughs> but we had to realize that we have to draw near to God if this is gonna work. Because that's the only way that this is gonna work. If we're gonna be a greater expression of of his love to creation and to our neighbors and to our friends and to our community, we have to draw near to God. Maybe you're afraid to be loved. You're, you've got a past that there's some hurts. There's been some trust that's been broken in your life. I'm so sorry for that. And I think that the enemy knows that, and he wants to rob you from that. Because I love church around a stage or church in rows. I think it's awesome. But I think we, we, have, we have lost the art of church around a table, where we have this relationship where we can talk. And that's why I love what Alpha does. Alpha is so in this vein just to bring people around a table and talk and have this relationship to say, hey, why, wh- what are you going through? How are you re- why, why are you struggling with this? Or it's okay to struggle with this. And so can I just encourage you, find church around a table. It can be just dinner. We had an awesome time with some friends last night where we just talked about what God was doing in their lives. And it was, I left there so encouraged. So find that community. Find a life group. Find that place where you can be with people that love Jesus and be open with people that love Jesus. Because we're not supposed to do this alone. We're not supposed to, that's what love is, is we're supposed to love each other first as the church. 
We're supposed to care for each other. And by that, the world will know. It used to be like you didn't have to prove that you were uh, a Christian. You didn't have to like list all of this, like, you know, <laughs> um, all this uh, theory and philosophy to prove it. It said like, Jesus said to his disciples, they're going to know that you're my disciples and that you love me by your love for one another. So church around a table is so important. Um, if we're going to step out into the wild blue yonder, it's not going to be because of courage. It's going to be because of the love of God that will sustain us and help us when we don't know what to do. Maybe you're afraid of consequences. You've messed up. I know I have but you're still living under the weight of that. You've, you've done what I have done. Yeah, John and Peggy, you guys can go ahead and come on up. Sorry. <laughs> but you've responded to God's love with rebellion, saying, God, I'm gonna go do my own thing. And there's, maybe even right now, there's this condemnation that's sneaking in, this fear of, oh, I, I could never go back. I've already blown it. What's the point of... of making things right. Can I just say that your worst days are never enough to, to keep you from his grace? And that your best days are never enough to keep you from his grace. Every day we need his grace. My good days aren't good enough. <laughs> but it's his love that sustains me. It's his love that brings me joy in the midst of that. And that we serve a good God that we can confess our sins to. We can repent. Repent means to turn away and walk the other way. I love that Hebrews, the writer says there that we have this confidence that we can draw near his throne and receive mercy and grace. So with boldness, let's do that this morning. Let's do that. We're gonna just spend some time in these, these altars. An altar is a, if you're new to church or maybe you've never heard the term altar before, it was a, a, a place in the Old Testament where they would sacrifice animals for sins. We don't practice that here at Crossroads, just, just so you know. But they would lay stuff down to say, okay, like I, I messed up and so here's, here's the penance for that. It was never enough. And, and that's why when Jesus came, it, it became enough. But we come to these altars because I believe that altars are where living things die and dying things come to life. That we lay stuff down and say, God, I don't want this anymore. I don't want this guilt or this condemnation. Or God, I've been, I've been living and responding to your love when rebellion and saying, God, I can do it my own way, but I can't. So we're just going to open it up. And if you just want to spend time at this place, and there's nothing special about these altars, but there is something special about stepping out of where we are and responding. Again, God's initiated this morning. His heart is that we would respond to his love, and maybe how do we do that? What does this look like? What would this look like if we loved our community without fear of saying, oh, they're different, or what would they think? But if we just responded to God's love, said, I'm going to love people, what would it look like here if we just said, you know what? I love that God has been leading me and showing me his love for, for years. Some of you have been Christians longer than I've been alive. I mean that like well. But here's the thing. What if you said like, God, I'm so thankful that you initiated with me. 
And so my response to that is I want to create and I want to serve in such a way. Maybe it's serving in kids' church or in youth ministry or getting involved somewhere on this campus and saying, I want to make it to where other people that are younger than me that haven't had this opportunity. It doesn't matter even if they're younger. Just people that haven't had this opportunity can be initiated by your love. And I want to help with that. Maybe that's the way we need to respond this morning. Whatever it is, we need Jesus. I'm going to ask those that um, can pray if, if you can come forward. Maybe you do want to pray with someone. And so I want to make that available. If you want to just pray where you're at, can I just encourage you, like, if you're going to pray in your, in your seat, just step out and move a, a, a seat up. Because I know sometimes, like, getting on your knees, that's hard. I've got basketball knees, all right? Like, sports, it's tough. But move some way. In some way, move outside of where you are. Step out into the wild blue yonder. Step out and to meet God, because God will meet you. Let's pray this morning, and then if... If, if you want to just worship, that's fine. If you want to come and get prayer, that's amazing. If you want someone to pray with you about um, inviting Jesus into your life to be a part of your story, I encourage you to do that. If you're just saying, you know what? I'm encouraged and I'm ready for lunch. God bless you. You're free to go. There's, we're not going to judge you and be like, they're not spiritual. You know? like Whatever it might be, but let's just let this place be a place where we're just experiencing Jesus together. Amen? Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you for your love, your great love that has made a way for us to come into relationship with you. God, help us. I pray that you would paralyze fear in our lives this morning. God, I pray that you would help us, equip us to love people well, that the power of your spirit would help us to leave this place different than the way that we came in. Not just from an intellectual standpoint or a feeling, God, but a belief that we would know that we are loved by you. We would know, we would know that we are secure, that we don't need to keep just going backwards and saying, God, again, I, I need you in my life. No, you were there, you never left. You are faithful and just to forgive. God, I pray over these people, God. I pray that we could be a greater expression of who you are in 2018 than we were in 2017. God, life is too short. It's a vapor, you say in your word. God, I don't know how much time I have left, but I don't want to waste it being afraid. I don't want to waste it missing the opportunities that you have for me, God. So help us, God, as your church, as your family, Jesus, to reflect that love well in your name. Amen. You can come. You can spend some time in this altar. We love you so much. Thanks so much for coming. And remember, there is that children's leaders meeting, but just be blessed as we worship together.